one go hi hi this is stevie and this is emily (laughs) and welcome to the The sex Sex files (laughs) how are you i am good i'm really good good Wasn't wasn't great earlier but i'm good now you know what yeah retweet it's one of those days it's one of those days, but um, yeah, I'm I'm fantastic now. I'm just so grateful for all the women in my life and <laughs> Jillian Anderson. Yeah, yeah. How are oh, you? I'm okay. I did Pilates today, so I feel Fun. like that's all I accomplished today so far. So that's okay. But that with this, so productive. Couldn't have done more. Very productive. My friend embroidered me a jacket for my birthday that was last month, and it like has the um, Klimt painting of the three ages of women, but with just the mother and the baby on it's the back. So, it's so stunning. Oh my! Oh, it's Chloe who designed our beautiful logo. So she's oh my gosh, so fucking talented, and it looks so good. And it has my name embroidered in the pocket, which just feels like the coolest thing ever. And like I have to like be buried in this. Yeah. Not that I think I want to get buried, but I, if I were, I'd be buried in this. Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. It's so stunning. I have to keep it forever now. It has my name on it. Like, I just want to stare at the back of it, the whole... It's so pretty. It's so amazing. Should I just turn around and not face you? <laughs> whole time. I mean, I could... Yeah, I'd miss like- your face, <laughs> but it's, it is so beautiful. I know. Chloe, I love you. You're the best. Such a good friend. Yeah. Would you like me to talk about my slip now? Yeah, I do. I was going to ask. I was going to see how you brought it up. Emily got a really exciting slip and I wanted to talk about it. Um, so also, I just need to say the women who work at Victoria's Secret are like the most aggressive salespeople I've ever met in my life. And it stresses me out so much. Oh my God, it so does. You know how many times, every time I go there, I end up getting measured because I don't know how to say no. <laughs> Truly, I've been measured like 16 times. I know my size by now, but every time I go in there, they're like, can we measure you for a new bra? And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I really need it. Please. They're like, they're also, I feel like they don't even say, can we measure you? I feel like they say, do you know your size? And every single time you're just like, no. (laughs) Every time I'm like, no, I don't know my size. They just really, they like, they, I think that they see the fear in my eyes when I walk in. Mm -hmm. So they just, they zero in. They're like, yeah, we'll get to measure her. Not that they're trying to, never mind. (laughs) Not that they're staring at your perfect boobs and they're just like, oh my God, I want to fit those. Not that that's the reason. I want to fit those. (laughs) Stop. Okay, talk about your slit. No, Stevie has perfect boobs, okay? (laughs) You do. Thank you so much. Okay, stop it. You do. No. Yes. No, we're not talking about me. We're talking about you. All boobs are perfect. Exactly. So take it back. Okay, I take it back. <laughs> so my slip. I've been on the hunt for a very 90s slip for a very long time. And um, I want, I can't really describe what makes it 90s, but something about like the satin and the lace um, to me is just very like 90s-esque. No, it is. Well, I feel like modern ones have like, either cups yeah they have like some kind of like underwiring sewn in that makes it look i feel like that's more modern or even padding yeah um and so i got one and i found one and it's like a what color would you say it's like a teal teal like seafoam green but darker yeah so not seafoam green you know (laughs) 
like, like coral. Is he like coral, but not at all coral, you know? Like it. totally. <laughs> it's like an olive without being olive. It's like a mix of all of those things. Yes. It's like a jewel tone. Jewel tone, yeah. blue or green or gray. Yes. Um, and then it has cream lace kind of interspersed. It's so um, pretty. And I told Stevie that I just feel... I feel like Jillian, 100%. You look so hot. I'm so happy for you. You you deserve that. You're welcome. Um, It's one of those things where like, I just feel really hot. Like I didn't really have any makeup on all day, but I had this on and so, so you're hot. Yeah. Yeah. Is it bad? You can cut this part out if you want, but is it bad that like, I actually fucking hate Mulder. Like I'm like, I'm in a (laughs) clip that for our trailer. I I'm in a funk. Yeah, remember how I told you sometimes, like, interactions on Twitter, like, people on Twitter? Yeah. They just leave a bad taste in my mouth, and then that transfers over to the show or over to Mulder. And, like, I'm just I'm – in, I'm in that funk right now, so I'm going to do my best, but – That's okay. I mean, he just – He's kind he of a dick really in this hot. episode. He is kind of a dick in this episode, but he looks really hot in this episode. Oh just God, like He looks so hot. I just horny hate him. Okay, yeah, that's fine. Um, but I just want to let you know because oh. no, that's very valid. Anything? Oh, anything you've been watching, reading, oh, listening? Hmm. Well, I was I was listening to my favorite murder because my favorite murder a new episode came out today because it's Thursday, mm. and that's my favorite podcast. But it, that's a lot of people's favorite podcasts. They're fucking mm. huge. Um, and my Gloria Steinem book came in. Did I say that last episode? <gasps> yeah, no. Yeah, oh no, God, it came so in. So exciting! I know. So once I'm uh, once I'm done with Florence Gibbons' book, I'm going to start that. I love that for you. I would reread it with you if you wanted. Oh my God! Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's called okay. um, Life on the Road, right? Yeah, um, that's the one that I got uh, by Gloria Steinem, and it's amazing. Gloria Steinem is my number two. Well, yeah equally number one yeah i mean and she looks so pretty on the cover so pretty i love her um yeah she's amazing and that's awesome i'm so happy it came in yeah but other than that i've just been watching um x-files with my mom just a few seasons ahead yeah (laughs) but that's pretty much it what about you what have you been reading watching listening to reading i'm still reading my um sisterhood is powerful book Mm mm-hmm that's kind of it. I was rewatching Seinfeld today, which is always fun. Mm. Um, we love Julia Louis Dreyfus here. Yes, and listening to—I was just listening to um, a podcast called "Love It or Leave It," um, which is like a political podcast because the host's last name is Love It. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah, isn't that so funny? And yeah. he was a former speechwriter for Obama. Oh shit. Um, and it, it it's very comforting with what we're with just everything right now. He he makes light of things. Um, he makes me feel like I'm sane for freaking out about things that are going on politically. Um, and yeah, he's really cool. I have to listen to that. It's called Love It or Leave It. Yes, and it's L O V E T T. Okay, this is is his last name. Okay, sick. Yeah, I have to listen to that. Yeah. So. Are you ready to get into it? Let's get into it. So the fourth episode. Conduit. Conduit, season one. Um, we open 
I have so many, I have so many ha-has, so many question marks. Oh, me too. Like, so it opens on a fire and there are some <laughs> people sleeping outside without a tent, which with their- Yeah, they're, they're next to their trailer, which I thought was strange. Very strange. you have a trailer, I don't know why you're sleeping outside, but- And fine. also with their very flammable hair facing the fire. Yeah. okay. <laughs> which was bizarre. You know, versus their non-flammable hair. They're flammable <laughs> I wasn't saying that parts of their hair were inflammable. I know, I'm joking. I was saying like they could have laid feet to fire. Yeah, you're right. Or like side to fire. Or they could have just like, you know, been a safe distance away from the fire. I'm with you. I they understand. were in sleeping bags. That has to be more flammable <laughs> than hair. That's true. Just dumb all around all around dumb <laughs> so then we go into the rv we see a woman sleeping in there and everything starts to shake there was a very dramatic shot of some marshmallows and chocolate mm, um, I'm marshmallows and chocolate oh, right now it's more than anything oh my god sorry 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 and uh this woman equally dramatically falls out of the top bunk of her bed <laughs> i thought that was really funny <laughs> I thought that was really funny too. She just like throws herself off the top bunk. <laughs> yes, yeah, seriously. So strange. Um, and there's a bright light and some horrible acting. That's what I mm-hmm. wrote. Um, yep. That sums it up. So she tries to open the door because her son. <laughs> bright light, bright light, and horrible acting kind of sums up the show. <laughs> yeah. No bad lighting. And bad yeah. acting, and bad acting, acting, and bad lighting, bad lighting, and horrible acting from everyone except Julian Anderson. <laughs> Honestly, though, <gasps> um, it's just a fact. Mm-hmm. Um, so she tries to open the door because her, who we come to find out is her son is calling. She burns her hand on the door handle. Okay, um, <laughs> all of this is very unclear until you know the episode progresses but at first like trying to take notes about this i was just like sure okay (laughs) got it so she goes outside and her son tells her that ruby his sister is gone and again the mom this i gotta respect this actress because she just she fucking went for it she did go for it she went big and you know what that's better than being timid about it 100 percent. so yeah very dramatically yells her daughter's name into the sky Mm-hmm. Which again, at the time, you're like, okay, that's a little okay. strange, but okay. I guess, I guess you're just so flustered that you would yell. Yeah, you're just kind of yelling. You know, you're not. You're not gonna run and look for her. You're just gonna right. look up and scream. Yes. Um, so, back at the FBI headquarters after the opening, and Scully, for some reason. <laughs> is being given Mulder's request for funds for them to go to Iowa based on a Mm -hmm. newspaper article um, and the men in charge are not having it at all. No. Mm -mm. Um, So, you know, Scully is basically saying, um, you know, I'll talk this over with him. I'm sorry. That doesn't seem like, you know, him, that he would take one newspaper article and want to plan a whole trip or a whole investigation around it. I like that she validates him like that. She knows he's a good agent. Me too. And so the man gives her, do we know what his, what's his name? 
I don't know his name because he doesn't really come back after this. Yeah. So like you don't, he starts out as what they want to be the villain and then it ends up being yeah. smoking man later. But like this guy, weirdly, it's like a very rational conversation that they have. Like this guy isn't like outwardly evil. Yeah. Like I don't despise him, which is probably why they're like, we need a better, a, wor- a worse bad guy. Yeah. I don't despise him. Um, He's I, like, special. understand where he's coming from, and he, totally. like, talks rationally about it. And I'm like, wow. Very, yeah. I felt the same exact way. Um, mm-hmm. Like, he doesn't, he's not the villain that, say, like, Kirsch becomes later exactly. on. But in the no, same exactly. position. Yeah. That's such a good point. Um, so then he says, well, this might explain why. He hands Scully an X-File that shows, um, or that details Mulder's sister's abduction. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Scully tells him what Mulder had told her about it um, and says that she doesn't believe that his personal connection will cloud his professional judgment. And I said, you go, girl. (laughs) I know. And I also wrote that she's like so secondhand emotional about his sister. Totally. Later I wrote, why is Scully way more emotional about Samantha than Mulder is? Like every time it's like yeah. something that it could be about her, she's like so sympathetic, and he's just kind of like, mm. yeah, because like <laughs> I don't know how to describe that verbally. No, like, yeah, 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 peanut butter baby. <laughs> yes, uh. well, it's just peanut butter babying. <laughs> um, she is really sympathetic to him, not necessarily the case, but she's really sympathetic to him being bothered by the fact that this is so close to home. Mm. Like, she's very compassionate to him as her partner, realizing that this case is probably really hard for him. Yeah. It's more what I was seeing. And so, like, when stuff with Samantha comes out, she almost, like, you get the cue off of her that, oh, this is probably bothering him and not necessarily David's acting. Right. No, yeah, that's, um, yeah, I agree with that. So, oh, so the man in charge says that he's going to deny Mulder's request. And Scully mm-hmm. says, well, at least let me talk to him and, and see where his head was at. So you cu- we cut to that happening. And Scully essentially says that um, it doesn't seem substantial enough to warrant a whole investigation. And they go back and forth. And then Mulder, for some reason, decides to just assault Scully's personal space. I know. I want his perfect lips in her face. Literally, like, I want to know because... I know the scripts are out there. Like some people have more, like I have a few, but not this one. Um, Some people have like a lot of the scripts. I want to know if them consistently getting in each other's face like that is blocked or if that's just them being like, yeah, this, this feels good. Like I want to know, I want to know if that was blocked or not. I mean, I feel like, how do you write that in? (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Whispers near face. Yeah. yeah, Like, and then does a little spin. (laughs) Like, (laughs) And then just a spin and then a wink. Yeah, like, and I mean, Jillian and David talked about the fact that it was just like, it just became force of habit. So maybe it was written in right. in little moments, but I mean. No, I don't think that, that doesn't seem like something that would be written. Yeah. And I think it's, like, I think he did it once early in an episode and then she copied him later. Like, she's like, well, he did that in an early take, so I'm right, going to do right, this right. now. And then now he's doing it again. So it's like a back and forth. And I'm like, you guys just want to kiss. Yep. You yep. see it. <laughs> well, you don't need to get as close as you can to the other one's face. You can just kiss. Yeah. We're all adults. It's okay. <laughs> um, and so apparently, Lake Ogoboji, um <laughs> is apparently aware 
uh, Mulder wants them to go mm-hmm. is apparently uh, a UFO hotspot where there's been four sightings in the past. Um, and of course, he comes in hot with another slideshow for his wife. <laughs> um, and- he loves preparing those at home thinking of her. He's oh, like, yeah. And I'm going to cut to this one. Oh, she'll love it. Yeah. One, and she does. Mm. Um, so uh, in the newspaper that he has up on his, on his slideshow from the mm-hmm. most recent potential UFO sighting um, is Darlene Morris. And uh, that is the woman who has just had um, her daughter potentially abducted. And mm-hmm. she was also at the same site when she was a Girl Scout um, at one of the earlier sightings, you know, years before. Mm-hmm. Um, so they go to Iowa. And Scully is so cute. She's so cute. I wrote that the vibes are like spot on in this episode. Like it looks like the whole show is in sepia and I'm here for it. Yeah, very spot on. Um, that's that Vancouver lighting. We love that Vancouver lighting. Ooh. Um, and so <laughs> at Darlene's house, you know, they come in. She says, "Say hi, Kevin," who's her son. And he says, "No." And he didn't does not say he's a little shit. <laughs> he's like, "I'm gonna look at my drawing." Yep. And Mulder and Scully are like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> They're like, "Well, fuck that little kid." <laughs> and so. This part was very bizarre, but they're like, you know, Mulder is wandering around the floor of the, the first floor of the house and he's looking at all the family photos and clearly thinking of his sister. He's like pouting essentially. Yeah. And he decides to very, very awkwardly, very uncomfortably touch a photograph of Ruby as a young girl in a bathing suit. Oh my God. And that's not what it, he meant, but like, it's just the vibes. Not that. Why? Why like, stroke the picture? We go. We um, get it. It would have been better if he had just put his thumb, like if he had grabbed the fo- the frame and just like put his right, thumb and on then the like side. yeah, his thumb yeah, yeah. Rather than like reaching out longingly, at like this he photograph. was grabbing a tit. Like he literally went like <laughs> like he went for like he went like you know what I mean. He's going for the trachea. Yeah, like no, he went like that, <laughs> like. <laughs> fingers pinch squeeze the trachea and just to make that scene even more depressing scully notices that he's longingly looking at all these family photos right and then when darlene comes out i noted that she said i knew if i screamed loud and long enough that somebody would listen and i was like fuck Mm. isn't that the fucking model for all marginalized groups like that's so heartbreaking yeah yeah this um there's a lot of moments in this episode where uh uh-huh. Mm. in a different situation they they don't how do i say this generally they should be applied to other situations in the show and in real life but they yeah. aren't and it's very ironic that they're being used to justify uh an alien abduction yeah and i think that this show i think in this episode unironically highlights no ironically wait mm. what would it be unironically or ironically they're not doing it on purpose. What's the word for that? Uh, unintentionally. Yeah. yeah, unintentionally. They were just unconsciously highlighting a lot of the sus- 
systematic systemic Mm -hmm. a lot of the systemic issues that are within law enforcement and crime and pursuing um exactly yes yes exactly um so yeah that's i made that exact same note yeah um so we basically just hear Mulder and Scully's sides at this point. So Scully Mm -hmm. is potentially through this episode, she kind of goes through a lot of different theories, just trying to rationally figure out what happened. So her first Mm -hmm. one is that um, potentially because Darlene and her uh, husband are divorced, that, and there was a child custody battle that um, it might've been him. Mm -hmm. Um, But that, theory kind of just dies in the water a little bit and Mm -hmm. um and Darlene um thinks basically that she was abducted yeah the same thing that happened to her when she was a little girl yes so Mulder basically decides that he wants to talk to Kevin so he goes to talk to Kevin and I just need to be frank for a second um because when he sat down, I got a look of, at him and then I got a look at the child sitting on the floor and uh, I just thought, boy, do I want to make a baby with him? No, literally, I was like, this hit me right in the daddy issues. Oh my God. Like, especially the way he was sitting on the on the little <laughs> council thing. I was like, wow, his lap looks just... He, what did he say at the beginning? <laughs> what was he saying at the beginning? Was he like, "Do you want to talk or something?" And then he, the kid oh said, "Oh my god, no, he, he was being went. so cute." And he was like, "Okay, like okay, that's fine." I was like, "Oh my god, my god!" It was, and also he just looked so hot in this episode. So hot. I, like we'll get there, but I screamed. Yeah, no, his like floof was like perfectly his manicured. Hair so good in yeah. this. Oh. I just want to grip it. Anyways, yep. um, I I think it's interesting that I truly feel bad for Mulder in these episodes, like when he's grieving about his sister in the season one. Mm-hmm. Like I truly feel for him. And I feel like either David as an actor or the writers, maybe a combination of both, didn't develop that grief mm-hmm. in a way that I could continually empathize with it. Yeah. Like it stays very stagnant. So at some point we get frustrated that it hasn't moved or altered in any way. Mm. Not that there's a way to grieve, but just over time and with more experience, it's going to change whether it gets worse or better is right up to however the person's um, healing, but it truly just stays exactly the same. There's no change in, in thought process or relation to it. And that like, gets annoying to watch. Then we stop sympathizing with him about it. Yeah, totally. Um, and it's not like they came out of the gate too hot. Like he's very subtle about it. Like no, there's he one does a great moment. Job. Yeah, there's one moment where he he confides in Scully, but um, towards the end. But other than that, so so what I'm saying is, as they continue on in their journey, Mulder, like I mean, his mother dies because of yeah. Be, I mean, in, you know, because of all of this, mm-hmm. um, his father dies. Scully gets abducted. You know, all of these things happen to him uh, that would aid the trauma he experienced from losing Samantha, his sister. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, like, his his grieving kind of stays, like, the same. It stays exactly the same. It's always like, I have to find her. Yeah, yes, her. exactly. It's never like, oh, what, these people did this. I need to, right. like, I, like, it's never processing. It's, it's always yeah. just 
hyper fixating on I have to find her I have to find her it's never it does there's no there's no growth in it and it doesn't it's mm-hmm. not comp it's not compounded by everything else that happens no it's not at all so it becomes very like yeah he's mad about Scully being abducted for an episode or two mm-hmm. and then he's upset about his mother passing away for an up ep- but then everything just goes back to I need to find Samantha well yeah, into no, the eighth season right yeah, think, yeah. seriously so I know it yeah. went on too long with yeah. no change. And so my main point was that it's not like they came, he came out of the gate like so fired up and so grief stricken mm-hmm. that they couldn't take that any further. It's like, no, yeah. they absolutely could have. Um, and that would have at least shown like a little bit of, of, um, of change. Mm-hmm. So Kevin basically ends up opening up to Mulder. He's drawing something on a piece of paper that looks like some sort of code made out of, ones and zeros or ones and o's or whatever yeah and um kevin tells Mulder that this the um symbolism that he's writing is coming from the tv and so Mulder's just kind of like okay um so they go to the police station <laughs> and what a scene this was jesus christ um yeah so they go to the police or the sheriff's office and mm-hmm. They basically, they talk to the sheriff and they say they found, he says that they found no evidence of a kidnapping. So they assume she ran away. And uh, then the misogyny just is rampant. Misogyny really pops out in this scene. Yeah. Um, Well, first of all, this show really plays on the fact that since the majority of abductees are women and that women are not often believed in the crime system, like that, that parallels that really well. Yes. 100%. Like, well, fucking course no one believes them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, And so uh, he says, again, the sheriff says um, it wouldn't be the first time that uh darlene has come to him with something crazy that she has a very active imagination and she was no prom queen no no no. i'm talking about darlene because he says that about her mom first (laughs) oh right right right. he says that darlene has an active imagination and then he says that her little girl was no prom queen Yeah. yeah um so what i found really uh frustrating is uh the fact that Mulder was very upset that the police officer ignored mm-hmm. Darlene's claims, but later, <laughs> I know um, there's an episode later on where uh, it it centers around rape victims, and Mulder is very uh, Does- hard to convince in that one. Yeah, but in oh. this one, he's so mad about the invalidation, and he's mad about it because it invalidates him directly. Exactly, because it invalidates him with his sister and so that's an in that's it's an attack on him so of course he's mad about it but the second it's about somebody that it's not him he doesn't empathize well and i truly think that just shines a light on some misogynistic writing yeah misogynistic writing yeah literally mcdonald's don't don't come after us please (laughs) mcdonald's comes for the sex files (laughs) i would love a brand deal with them oh my god i would order so many french fries so I'm so hungry. I know, right me now. too. Okay. Actually, can we pause? I'm gonna get some. Coffee. Yeah. So I just wanted to say, I mean, there are many moments in this show where the writing is horrible, um, because there wasn't for for many reasons, but one of the reasons right. being because there wasn't a woman in the room. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's it's incredible to me 
that the same people were able to write Mulder saying, um, where, where does he say it? I wrote it down. Oh, maybe I didn't write it down. You sounded like Jillian when you said that. <laughs> maybe I didn't write it down. Oh my God, that's the best compliment I've ever gotten. You're welcome. <laughs> um, <laughs> Anytime. Thanks. Anyway, Mulder basically is like, you know, I want, I want her to, I want her to um, have justice. Like, why are you ignoring her claims? Like, why are you, you have to believe her. And it's like, it's, it's uh, unbelievable to me that if you ask the same people to cut that line, that exact, every, exactly what Mulder says. And instead of this being an alien abduction, it's a rape case or a sexual assault mm-hmm. case or some type of violence against women. Um, uh, it, it would make the same amount of sense and it would be very warranted and that's what should be said, but that is completely impossible for the writers of the show. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, an, it's completely impossible to treat uh, women's trauma with any regard whatsoever as the same as investigating an alien abduction. And I know, yep. I know the alien abductions is what the show is about and the show isn't like, a CSI or a law and order, whatever. I get that, but it's right. But you can still have some regard and, and handle these cases with more care exactly. and more consideration than you do. Also just consistency. I mean, if you're going to talk this yeah. way about an alien abduction, like talk this way about, he needs to be like that for all cases. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, okay. So Basically, well, he was saying bullshit. Like it's just a matter of time until that girl got hurt or so whatever. And that- that's exactly what I was going. That's exactly what I was getting to. So of course the cop starts saying, "Well, wh- how, why would I believe her claims? She's no angel." Basically, is what he says. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course they blame her. <laughs> yeah, she, the the sheriff is, oh, just, oh boy, the misogyny. I feel like that should become yep. our, our, our little tagline anytime there's just rampant misogyny because I was I think so too. I was just blown away by yep. the fact that he from the misogyny to the victim blaming to the slut shaming, like it was all just jam packed in this literal two minute conversation. <laughs> Honestly, it was kind of impressive. It was. I, I it was will like, wow, you really that. covered all your bases there. Yep. Good job. So she said. So he says that it was only a matter of time before something bad happened to her because, look out, she's a slut. Right. Um, like fuck this cop. I mean, seriously. Like, <laughs> truly, fuck him. Mm-hmm. Um, he basically says if the mother needs to make up crazy stories to get past her daughter being a whore, fine, but he's not going to treat it like she like. <laughs> He's not going to treat it like the truth. It's a waste of his time. Yeah, seriously, like, though. Just yikes. Just That's a, just such a big yikes. That's all I have to mm-hmm. say. Yep. Um, so they go outside, Mulder and Scully, and there's a note out on their car that says, I'm across the street, follow me. <laughs> I liked this. I liked this approach. Me too. I was like, it's kind like, of I'm going to leave it on their car and then I'm going to stand looking real suspicious so they know exactly who left the note. Just staring at the car. Turn. Yeah. And I'm going to lead them. We're going to talk through some books because like top tier that's undercover. What, that's what they do in the movies. Yeah. Um. So they follow this woman into the library across the street 
and she basically tells them that she knows they're looking for Ruby. She says that Ruby's boyfriend was supposed to meet her at the lake. And the reason that they had to talk was because Ruby was pregnant and they were planning on leaving town. And she said that she got herself pregnant. Yeah. Ma'am. She was like, Greg is her boyfriend's name. She's like, Mm -hmm. Greg got her pregnant or she got herself pregnant, whatever. It's like, hun, it takes two to tango. What are you talking about? Jesus Christ. Like, in some capacity... Something's got to be fertilized by something. So, right. Oh, but you know what I'm thinking about right now? This definitely wasn't intended, but like if you're looking at this character, it's like three dimensional. She's probably mad at herself for getting pregnant. And so she's projecting that because she's really the one who's pregnant. 100%. That comes out later. Anyways. So she tells them that Greg works at a bar and then she's gone. Yeah, she just disappears. She vanishes into thin air. Wait, could you imagine, like, seeing her prance away, trying to, like, get away quickly? She's, like, trying to hide behind the bookstand. She's, like, <laughs> like trying to become so a pole funny. behind the bookstand. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so they go to the bar and uh, to find Greg, and it's a mm-hmm. literal biker bar. And all of the men are catcalling and staring at Scully, and I hated every second of it. Yeah, that was really uncomfortable to watch. Um, oh boy, the misogyny. That's two this episode. I mean, it's very realistic, but whew. it's very realistic, but yeah, it could have been a less crowded bar. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> that's fair. Um, because here's the thing, right? Like women deal with that every single day. So it's like, I don't need to see it to know that it happens. And right. But male creators aren't going to be thinking about that. Absolutely. And in their mind, in minds, it's like, even at the best of their thought, like even giving them the most credit, they're like, men need to see this. Men need to know, because why would they believe women? <laughs> like men probably every woman in their life has told them at some point or another, or they've witnessed it or they've been a part of it, but no, we mm-hmm. need a TV show to show men that women get cat. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause why, why believe your own eyes or women? Nope. Uh, why believe a woman? Yeah. I don't know. You're asking the wrong person. Um, so yeah. Uh, when Mulder shows his badge to the bartender, He looks so good in this episode. I have nothing to say because I just slam my fingers on my keyboard. <laughs> Literally, I just I can't even articulate. Yeah, I don't even know it's what it is. Much. Sad Mulder. I don't even know what really happened hot. in the scene because I just. Ugh, I'll tell you. Sad Mulder is. It hot. was wild. I'll tell you what happens. Okay, tell me what happens. Um, so, basically, he asked the bartender about Greg, and the mm-hmm. bartender says, "Nah, he hasn't shown up for work in like five days, man." <laughs> <laughs> And so they're about to leave and Mulder sees a flying saucer tattoo on the bartender's arm. And he's like playing dumb because he thinks maybe it'll get more information and, you know, whatever. So he's like, uh, the bartender's like, what does it look like? (laughs) And Mulder's like, well, it looks like a flying saucer. And he's like, "Uh, yeah. And Mulder's like, you don't really believe in that kind of stuff, do you? 
And then that leads to this man uh, saying, uh, if you don't believe in it, you got to go to Lake Ogaboji. And Mulder's like, what? He's like, you should come with us. And I really like, wanted to I- see more than anything Scully riding on the back of a motorcycle. Yeah. That's it. I wanted to just see this biker guy join their investigation. What a funny dynamic that would be. That would have been really funny. (laughs) (laughs) He'd be sitting in the back of the car like, why do you guys touch each other so much? And Scully just has like a massive crush on him like she does in Bad Blood with Sheriff Hartwell. (laughs) And Mulder's getting so annoyed. But she's just like, yeah, so tell me more about your hair. It's so long. About your hair? (laughs) I was going to say beard. Um, Oh, did he have a beard? Yeah, a long one, um, I think. Yeah, I blocked it all out. Um, and then for the grand finale of this scene, the uh, bartender shows him this sunburn on his ear that's greatly disfigured his entire yeah, good ear. good job, makeup crew, because it's snarling. Yeah, and he basically says, well, if you don't believe in aliens, how did I get this sunburn in the middle of the night? And his whole ear is disfigured. So it was obviously very, very hot out. It was obviously a big burn. (laughs) He obviously didn't use proper SPF because (laughs) holy shit. (laughs) Um, So then they go back to the motel and wow, Scully looks so cute. She looks like a little chipmunk. I know, Scully. and some men in black who turn out to be the NSA, the NSA turn out to be yeah. NSA, um, Whatever. break into Scully's room and ask where Mulder is. And she's just like, <gasps> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, who's Mulder? I'm just hanging here. I don't know I don't what know. you're talking about. <laughs> um, but then they go But she does. Mulder's she room? snitches. <laughs> she snitches. <laughs> And he snitches because she wants to see what Mulder looks like when he just wakes up. And sister, I am with you because that's why she did it. That's canon. She's like, yeah, let's just. She goes, you know what? Yeah, let's go in. Let's go check on. She's him. like, let's do you want me doing. to come with? Because like, I can totally like we can she's work like, this out. Come. We can work this out. We're like, I can I can knock on his door and like I can be like, oh, Mulder, I need you. Open up. And then he opens <laughs> up, and then like all of you guys are there. Wouldn't that be fun? Like, and then all of you guys there. <laughs> She's like, just let me go in first. Like, don't come in yet. Like, I'm gonna shut the door. Let me go in. Give us like a half an hour, and like, then you can come in. Yeah. Then it's then go ahead, knock on the door. I'm just gonna like really make sure that he's there. Yeah. That he's safe. Okay, plan. Okay, break. Okay, ready? Break. <laughs> See how much? How would you? Don't you guys? Never mind. <laughs> Say it. Say it. I don't even know what I was going to say. I couldn't start the sentence. That's the one thing. I can't remember if we've said this before, but like we commit to a bit. So can you tell? <laughs> Have you caught on to that yet? It's so funny. So cut to shirtless Mulder with messy hair in his motel room. Um, being very sassy, which I like. Hot. Very hot. This whole scene is H-O-T. Yeah. <laughs> no. No, it's H-A-W-T. <laughs> What? Um, and basically they are asking him interrogating him where he got the kids drawings from um he said where they got the code yeah, the, the documents from or the documents yeah. from that's what it was he was like these are documents yes, exactly um and they're basically telling him that he's obstructed justice and 
they tell him again Mulder kind of plays dumb a little bit and he's like you know I don't know where I got him from that's what I'm trying to figure out Mm -hmm. um the NSA tell him that their defense satellite transmission and that um they're highly classified and they need to know where it's from then they leave and they don't close his door which I just thought was so unnecessary and so dramatic were you boys raised in a barn seriously um and because Mulder obviously knows that the kid did them um he is like what do you mean uh an eight-year-old doesn't threat to national security and for some he's saying this to Scully and for some reasons because Scully tattled didn't she when they walked out yeah um Scully's a tattletale in the first season especially it's okay it's okay because like she doesn't know she's doing what she thinks is right you know because she trusts the system which is a mistake which she learns to not exactly so and then she becomes hotter the more she doesn't trust the system yeah um (laughs) take notes direct you get hotter the less you trust the direct relationship cause and effect look it up Mm -hmm. so uh scully scully believes that an eight-year-old could be a national threat to security um or a threat to national security fuck i messed that up and all i wrote was uh lamau because yes scully doesn't believe in aliens yet or maybe ever but like she she does it's smart yeah and and you know i highly doubt that scully would buy that an eight-year-old was a threat to national security but i understand you know her rationale taking over i get it i mean she was doing a little bit of like i don't want to get in trouble so here's the information totally. you want which you know she's new she's valid she's in a boys club she doesn't want to be the angry woman i get true. it very true with you so the nsa goes to raid kevin's room lol and mm-hmm. <laughs> it was, that was so sad to watch actually it was really sad. Like, right after she's what like lost her other child they're just ripping apart this child room like when they're ripping drawings off the wall i was like jesus christ yeah. um and i yeah i made a note of a comment that i want to make um when they take when they take them into custody um so Mulder and scully follow the nsa to their house to darlene's house and they come there as as i said the NSA is taking both of them and separating both of them and taking them into custody. And it's like, I, I can't, I can't understand the, 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 the eager traumatizing of women. Either. <laughs> like women and children. Like, yeah, it's constantly. Yeah. So they go inside and, um, Mulder notices uh, after after the NSA has left that the top of the RV is burned in their driveway from after he's looking out the window. Mm-hmm. And he gets that ash all over his fingers. All over his fingers. He rubs that shit in. And he smells it and Scully's watching this like She's like, why is he doing that? It's like, <laughs> what the fuck? Um, and then we cut and we have my favorite Scully suit of the entire series, maybe. Oh, what suit is it's it? I didn't even make her little Okay, so it's plaid and then it has the thick black collar. Mm-hmm. With like the red lining? Is there a uh, red? I don't Never think mind. so. But then she has a little white high neck blouse on. Oh, yeah. Brown pants. 
Uh, and I just love it. I love it so much. She looks so it's sassy. It's a good one. She looks great this whole episode. I agree. She's doing, and I love that it's a woman of color who's being the data translator. I was gonna say, yeah, that's a big plus. I was like, Ooh. so at the FBI headquarters in Iowa, that woman shows them all the symbols um, and how they're all coded. Basically, she finds into these like mm-hmm. I didn't know the word for it, for it, them. But like these very intense, very uh, renowned pieces of media and, uh, and music. music. It was like, I can't remember the name, but they, they did put something like that together. Like that's from a real thing that they put together to send to the moon or they sent oh, in really? a, something that had a tape that was on a satellite. It's like a real thing that had everything that they would want to know, like every like bit, like each like renowned piece of art from over the years and like bits about science and like really like shit I didn't know that yeah it's a real thing I I don't know what it's called and people who are smarter than me are probably screaming right now because I'm not describing it accurately at all but no but I mean that's generally what it is it's like has da Vinci on it and some yeah and shit like that it has like it's like if they were to make contact with other life it would be the things that that makes up what humankind is exactly like the thought um and so they determined that that's what Kevin was writing down as he was watching the TV. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but the TV was on static. So um, Mulder basically connects the two and says that each fragment of this media um, or of these codes was like changing TV channels. So like Kevin mm-hmm. said. Um, so uh, then... They meet up with Darlene, um, who's being released. Who's understandably very mad at them. And I really can't be here for like, get the hell away from me because I would be too. Um, And she doesn't want to talk to them anymore. And so um, they leave. And of course, they're supposed to go back to their motel. But of course, Mulder off ramps and says, nope, we're going to the lake. (laughs) And... Nope, we're going to the lake. That's like sums up what their relationship is like later in the yes. years. They're driving, they're supposed to go home, and all of a sudden they miss their accent. So he's like, What are you doing? He's like, We're going we're to the going. lake. <laughs> <laughs> Even if they're not really going to the lake, that's just their, that's just his, this is code. his no, code. He really likes to go to the lake. <laughs> no, he loves the lake. Does he? Didn't you know that that's canon? I didn't yeah, know that. Um, yeah, Mulder loves the lake. Cool. Cool. He thinks he can see UFO there, UFOs there. I was going to say, um, I wish she would like Scully's Lake more, but that's a horrible joke, but you can keep that in if you want, because I like fat jokes. <laughs> that's a good one. Anyway, so um, uh, Mulder believes Kevin is the key to finding Ruby, basically. Yeah. And that, so yeah, so they're in the car. Sorry, Scully and Mulder are in the car. Oh, this scene in the car, I literally wrote, David, don't jump on Jillian's lines. Cause like when she, <laughs> like she's taking, she's literally taking an acting beat to like realize that she's not, that, that what she's saying isn't like yep. logical. Like she's like, no, you're right. That doesn't make sense. And she's trying to take a good beat. He starts talking it, so that she hurries yeah. up and then he talks over her. And I'm like, bro, let her, give her time. He like hears, he's like a man. He like hears, he hears silence for, a millisecond he's like it's my turn to talk <laughs> literally <laughs> like so eager it's my turn to talk okay are you done talking because i really have something to say so i'm just gonna <laughs> say it right now are you, are you done talking okay cool so anyway even one second just one second i'm just gonna play devil's advocate real let me quick, just, real quick, just uh, let me just play devil's advocate for a second um 
Like, I don't actually believe, like, I'm not actually a racist. <laughs> but what if? Anyways, I was like, David, give her, she's trying to do like a nice little acting beat. You cut her off and they kept it that, in. That was, was a like, little, it could have been good, but it was just too, it was just bad. No, he cut her off. Anyways. Um, yeah, so they're in the car and Kevin, basically Mulder says that he believes that Kevin is the conduit or is a link or a connection. Oh, to, that's why it's called yes. that. Oh my god. To whoever took Ruby or whatever took I Ruby. Do it. <gasps> wow. <laughs> Look at that writing. <laughs> oh guys, did you get that? Wait, hold on. Did you get that Kevin was the conduit? Did you miss that line? Yeah. Okay. Well then that explains. I was probably looking at his neck. Probably. I was I mean I was too, but I really had to pay attention to the plot. I'm proud of you. Um, You're stronger than the Marines. Thank you. <laughs> um, so Scully says she knows why this is so important to him. And he is kind of like peanut butter baby again. He's like, <laughs> peanut he's like, butter baby. Huh? <laughs> peanut butter baby, but make it questioning. Like, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> why is Mulder peanut butter baby i don't know why is that true i don't know but like i would love to see him covered in peanut butter oh jesus christ so anyways, anyways so then they go to the lake all right all right they're at the lake they're at the lake and um uh Mulder finds a piece of sand that's turned into glass not the sand yeah, the scent. I can't do this sometimes. Yeah. I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. And um, he also sees that the trees are singed and that the roof of the, and then he links it all back to the roof of the camper being burned. <laughs> We're not mocking Australians. I really like your accent. We no, if you're Australian and you're listening, thank you. Oh my God. Welcome. Yeah. Oh my God. Seriously. So, anyways. What if Siri Fairy's listening? Oh my God. <laughs> I hope so. If you are, that's so exciting. If you're not, maybe no one will know. So yeah. Anyway, follow Sari Fairy on Tumblr. Um, she literally has the greatest fic in the world. Um, and if you are listening, Sarah, thank you. That's it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, yeah. So they get there. Basically, Mulder says, "Do you have any idea?" I'm sorry for how many times I'm saying basically. I feel like I'm saying it a lot. We're gonna do fine. Um. He says, do you have any idea what temperature, how high the temperature has to be for sand to turn into glass? He's like, well, I'm going to tell you because I know the number. It's 500 degrees. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay. It's something like that. Um, the tops of the trees are singed and the roof of the camper was, was burnt. So Mulder, mm-hmm. knowing that high He's like, what could be this hot? And I'm like, boy, it's you. Boy, is Scully. She's, I'm surprised if this had been, t- if this had been a case that they had done four years later and he said, um, why, what could have burned all these things? What could be this hot? Scully would have said, boy, you're looking at her. She should be that confident. I know. She, no, truly she should be. Um, boy, me. Okay. Anyways. Um, so then there's a white wolf, wolf, right? I know. I wrote, is that a goddamn wolf? Yeah, that comes out of the forest. Yeah. And uh, Mulder follows it like a fucking he weirdo. Ru- he runs into the woods. Yeah, he runs into the woods. And there's a whole family. And they're crowding. A pack? I, 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 it's, it's really fun. Oh, no, they're a family. 
<laughs> Life's a fairy tale, Stevie. <laughs> Life's a fairy um, tale. <laughs> wolves have a family. They do. All animals have a family. Haven't you seen Brother Bear? Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. Animals have families. <laughs> it's really funny. It's even funnier. Can, wait, wait, wait. Can we watch Brother Bear? Sometime? I fucking love Brother Bear. Because I haven't seen Brother Bear in so long, and I remember sobbing, so I never watched it again. But I'm Dude, feeling like in the need for a good sob. Can Brother watch Bear it? actually gives me the best vibes. Like you know, like those right? movies, like such good yeah, vibes that you watch when you're a kid, and like when you think about them, they bring you such peace and calmness brother brother bear might be very problematic i don't remember exactly but what i do remember is the vibes five-year-old yeah the vibes were really good when i was little um oh yeah it's really funny because this whole scene is um like the wolves have no meaning no they're just wolves. like they were just like they were like, we need somehow for Mulder and Scully. To, like, like imagine the writer's room, right? They're like, okay, mm-hmm. so how we want to have a grave there. We want to have a grave in the mm-hmm. forest. So how do we get from Mulder and Scully connecting the dots and the high temperatures being present at the lake to them going into the forest to find the grave? And someone goes, I got it. We have a white wolf come out of the forest, like a fucking just albino wolf, okay? Come out of the forest. And Mulder, being the little silly, goofy, wacky man that he is, will follow the wolf into the forest. And then there's a whole family, Mm -hmm. right? And the the white wolf leads him to the grave. And, And everyone in the writer's room was like, you're a fucking genius. Yeah, let's do it. They're like, perfect. But you know what this just made me realize? Dude, this is going to mean nothing to you, but the X-Files has to exist in the same universe as Twilight. It's so similar, dude. Like, it's like the same vibes. Don't hear me out. Like, the trees and the wolves and, like, just the rainy vibes all the time. And, like, the frizzy, hold on, I think. Who has the fic for Mulder and the Sigates Edward? Sheriff Hartwell is Edward. I just want to see Mulder investigate Edward Cullen. And I want Alice and Scully to be friends. Who the fuck is Alice? Oh, come on. She was a cultural reset. Are you even gay? Are you? <laughs> She's an icon. Is that the, um, that's not Kristen Stewart, is it? <laughs> Ew, no. No one likes Bella. Well, fuck me. Sorry, Jesus. <laughs> I went to go see Twilight when it came out in theaters once because all my friends peer pressured me and I just um, mm-hmm. sat there and tried to sort through my Sour Patch Kids and only get the right ones the whole time <laughs> in, the, in the dark theater. That's so fucking funny. You were iconic. I read all the books when I was 10 and that's Holy like the perfect shit. age to really be into that kind of story. So I read all of the books when they came out and then my best friend and I did. So we went to all of the midnight premieres for the wow, movies. That's so fun. And I went to, we got stuck in a layover one time when I was flying and I got stuck in uh, Washington. And so we drove to Forks, which is where it takes place. Wow. You were a loser. I'm outing myself. I don't like Twilight anymore. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm hot now. So who won? <laughs> No, you weren't a loser. That was a joke. I was a little bit of a loser. It's okay. No, the best people are. Did you ever read um, Hugo about that clock? What was that book called? It was like, th- it was like no. 500 pages long, but there were like three words on each mm-hmm. page. 
That's how I like to read. They made a move. Oh, I read it like 12 times. But I like carried it no, around. I, I, know and I told everyone I read it like 12 times and they were like, wow, that's a big book. And I was like, I fucking know. I'm a genius. <laughs> um, it was, I think, no, surely not. Asa Butterfield was, the, was Hugo. Can I look this up really quickly? I don't know. Yeah, no, go um, Okay. Then, while I'm looking it up, because I can multitask. We have to talk mm-hmm. about Scully's little fucking her leap. She her fucking she, like leap? fucking parkour. Like no, I literally wrote like we'll post a gif of this yes. when we release this episode because it's just I rewound it so many times. Like she, it's such a big. She leap. like she jumps in the scene. She's like here. Like, I know. I'm <sighs> like man, what the fuck. Is um. Yeah, like wild. And in that outfit, it is very pleasing to me. Okay. Um, I don't remember this being the name of the movie or the book, but The Invention of Hugo Cabret. I don't remember it being mm. if this it is. It is it is Asa Butterfield. He plays Hugo. <laughs> oh wow, Asa, our boy. I knew it. That's so unimportant. Anyway. Okay, so Jillian leaps into scene, and Mulder's like, it's a grave, a shallow one by yeah, the smell was... of it. And there's a hot vein popping Oof. out of his forehead. That's the only reason I came out of that. That was so disgusting, and I missed his vein, so that scene was very unpleasant for me. Oh, you should go back and watch you it. Know what? I'll take a still. Okay. I'll screenshot a still of it. We'll okay, post that, too. Yeah. So, um, and then Scully is like, you have to stop. You're disur- <laughs> disturbing a crime scene. And he listens to her. He does. It was so fucking annoying, though, that he was like, Scully, I have uh, to know. And I'm like, bitch, if you have to know, wait for the fucking exactly, forensics team. What exactly. are you um, <laughs> So I was happy he listened to her, but he was being a little diva. He was being a diva. It's a white man. The forensics team comes. Mm-hmm. They find his wallet. And it's Greg. It's Ruby's it's Greg, alleged boyfriend. Again. He's like, well, Ruby had a lot of boyfriends. And I was like, bitch, did she reject you? I was like, going to say, why are you slut-shaming and why are you jealous? That's yeah, all I had to say. He's such down, a dick. Um, so they find a note in his wallet with a doctor's name and a date. And they're Mulder and Scully, so they're geniuses. So they compare it to the, the note that the girl from the library left on their car. And it matches. Mm-hmm. To Tessa. To Tessa. And she like might be a bad person, but it's a bomb. I agree, one hundred percent. She looks, she, she looks, looks like a great. badass. She looks like an eighties high school yeah. kickass, like one hundred percent. Um, she looks like an eighties Mave from Sex Education. Yes, she does look like an eighties Mave. So wow. they bring Tessa in for questioning, and they find out that she's actually pregnant, as Stevie mentioned earlier, not Ruby, and that Greg is the father. And so Mulder very aggressively interrogates her. I hate this scene so much. It's so cringy. The fucking slam bams on the table did absolutely nothing but make me laugh. Like he's so, he's the least intimidating person ever. And I'm horrified of men and being yelled at, but like Mulder yelling does nothing. It does nothing but make me laugh. I know. (laughs) I'm not going to say anything. Because it's not legit anger. Yeah. Right. When he was slapping the table, I was like, Oh, Jesus Christ. 
Scully saw that and was like, yeah, I'm going to make, I'm going to make him do that to my ass. You're right. That's, that was actually written in her subtext. I wouldn't be surprised if it was. So yeah, that part was very cringy, but basically he gets the information out of her that he needs. Um, and she, they find out that she was basically, fuck, I can't keep saying basically she was waiting by the lake because she was planning on killing both of them. That is kind of unclear, but she def mm-hmm. definitely maybe killed Greg. Tessa says that Ruby wasn't at the lake that night. So she doesn't say like why she went. She doesn't say whatever. She just says that Ruby wasn't there. And yeah. that's the piece of information that Mulder was looking for. So Scully thinks Ruby is dead, you know, understandably. Mm-hmm. But I was confused because she thinks that Tessa can't be trusted, but then she believes her confessions. Because Mulder, like, somewhat tricked her into that confession by, like, pressuring her. She eventually, like, burst out. Like, she wasn't even there that night, like, to prove that she didn't kill Tessa. But that just proved gotcha. that she was there okay. that night. And then she tells Mulder that it's over. And she's so cute. Yeah. But, like, I wrote that she really said stop running after your sister in episode four, huh? She like, did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I was like, that starts early he respects that a little part of him does no, he does um again because it's something that no one else has ever told him yeah well nobody's been real enough with him to acknowledge that part of himself i think yeah and i'm sure everyone has made fun of him for it but no one has ever genuinely mm-hmm. said it out of um good intent and Mulder definitely has a little bit of a savior complex because of his inability to save his sister that absolutely manifests with Scully later 100 percent. which like you can see the seeds of that here we will we'll get to that when she is abducted but this is definitely the the droppings of that for sure early droppings mm-hmm. um yeah so then Mulder just storms off thinking something is living in the forest or something was in the forest and he needs to go to talk to Kevin. And mm-hmm. then Scully drops the stop running after your sister line. This, and she says this, she yeah. even goes so far to say this won't bring her back. Yeah, she really went for it. She was like, look. Yeah, a recurring theme throughout. Then this kind of displays how committed he is. He bas- He says come with me or don't, but I need to find a body. I need to find evidence. He's not dependent yeah. on her as a partner yet. Like, he's yeah. still pretty lone wolfy. So he's like, I mean, I don't care right. if you come, but I'm going. And then she does come Very and supports cool. him, which is cool. So they go to Darlene's house, and they're both gone. Kevin and Darlene are both gone. And suddenly, they seem to have just disappeared. And so there are tons of Kevin's drawings or code all over the floor, and as Scully realizes, um, or when Scully goes up to look around the rest of the house, she walks up the stairs and she realizes that all of the code has been laid out so that it, it um, symbolizes Ruby's face. Yeah, I wrote, like, go art department for making that badass paper portrait because it's so cool. Do you think it was real or was it? Oh, it looked real. They um, go looking for them. And Mulder explains more about his troubled childhood to Scully. This was a sweet moment. It was a very sweet moment. Um, then they abruptly find the RV, yeah. Darlene's RV. No one is in it. Mm-hmm. And they <laughs> run into the forest and Darlene is digging. 
or no, she fell, or she just she's like out of breath. I don't fucking know. But young Jillian is such a spastic runner. Oh my god! Actually, that's a lie. That really continues because she does that in season eight too. She is just a spastic runner. Yeah, she's 100%. like arms out, she, just flailing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so Mulder runs after Kevin, who is walking towards a bright light across a foggy field. So you know, like creepy little kids do. And it turns out it's all the bikers. <laughs> Where the fuck did they come from? I have no idea. And like, and tell me how Mulder just jumping on him and then laying down made them safe in the center of it. With a... just see them curled up on the floor. With a gray, uh, very easily camouflaged suit on. Yeah, like there's no way. (laughs) Yeah, they would have gotten run over. Yeah. So Kevin goes on to say that his sister is there and that he knows that she's there. And Mulder's kind of just like, you know, I know you want to believe that, but it's not... And then Scully just screams Mulder's name as loud loud. as she can. (laughs) She almost did like, Mulder? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like the sound he will hear just coming from their upstairs many years later. Lord knows what reason, because she fell in the toilet, because he left the toilet seat up, because he clogged the shower drain. I like to think that she's always yelling at him because she's mad at him. I like to think that too. Like, I feel like he's a really messy toothbrusher. Like, he leaves toothpaste all over the sink. Totally. And, like, doesn't ever close the tube. And he uses her toothpaste even though he has her own. It has a different cadence than her other – when she screams Mulder at other moments. It, it's yeah, the, it's the, for sure. It's the um, emphasis on the der. Dar. Der. Mulder? <laughs> anyways. 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 So, they go back into the forest, and uh, Ruby's alive, but she's unconscious – Scully's taken off her little jacket and covered her as much as she can, and she's performing. Oh, I didn't even notice that she did that. <laughs> oh, that's really sweet because she's naked, and so she took off her. Oh, that makes me really emotional. Oh, that's a sweet detail. I know. Um, I wrote that this was before Jillian really knew how to fake CPR because she and she was being so gentle because I don't think she wanted to hurt the actress. Which homegirl's not moving at all. I'm like, honey, that wouldn't. Yeah, that's very. That's such a good point. I didn't think about that. Oh my god, that's so cute. So they bring her to the hospital, and they're going over. Scully and Mulder are going over her medical records from the test that they that they did when she came in. And Scully says that they found two symptoms of prolonged weightlessness um, in Ruby's tests. And Mulder explains that shuttle astronauts reported similar imbalances and just kind of leaves it at that. Um, kind of drops little inklings of, of evidence that hopefully will make Scully believe. And so they visit Ruby. Mulder asks uh, where she was and Kevin says it's okay that Mulder already knows where she was and that it's safe to talk to him. Mm-hmm. Ruby says... Uh, she can't say who took her and it's very all kind of traumatic for her it seems yeah um, understandably. very understandably and um <laughs> then we have my favorite line of the whole the whole episode which if only this had carried over into other episodes um, where Mulder says to Darlene Darlene expresses that she doesn't want her daughter to talk about this anymore. She doesn't want her to talk to anyone. Mm. She just wants to move on. And Mulder says she should be encouraged to tell her story, not keep it inside. It's important that you let her. And it's like, 
that's such an important thing for a male agent to say. 100%. But it's frustrating because I wish that he took his own advice later on. I fucking know. And that's what frustrates me. It frustrates me that this is an, uh, it's a female victim. Yes. Important always. Um, but this is about alien abduction. Why was this not get, why was the plot where women were, um, because it's who it's, who's writing the show because it's who's writing it. Like that this was course. not carried over. What changed? Because the writers don't believe that. Like, right? That episode wasn't a conscious thing. And that's why, that's why, because it's like, they're thinking about this in terms of Mulder getting to the truth about alien abduction. They're not considering the weight of that being, of, of what that line would mean for a rape victim. Or no, because they don't, it's not even a conscious thought. For those who don't know, we're talking about an episode that is in season two. I can't remember the name of it right now, but it's when there's a nurse, there's like these old men in a nursing home who like are able to astral project or when they die, their ghost can come back, something like that. And they're raping the nurse, yeah. the nurses and harassing them. Um, and Mulder's very skeptical in that episode. So that's what we're comparing it to. Yeah. But that's pretty much it with Darlene and with Ruby. Well, I wrote and- that I was like, like Mulder's line is really important, but I so understand Darlene being like, I don't want to press my daughter to say anything because she herself knows what a lifetime of invalidation and ridicule and questioning felt like. 100%. And that's horrible. So of course she's like, she doesn't need to tell anybody. It's fine. And it's also like, um, it also goes to the, to just the reality and the trope of um, you have to tell me, or you should tell me because what happens if this happens to somebody else? Yeah. And, and, and Mulder kind of does an extension of that to where he's like, well, is that what you're going to tell Kevin? As if what happened to Ruby. Exactly. Is as if, if Ruby wanting to tell is about Kevin. Exactly. It's not what happened to her is up to her if she wants to disclose it or talk about it and her alone, not her mom either. Yeah. But Mulder bringing Kevin into it is like a guilt trip. I was like, yeah. okay. 100%. Um, and, and, and ultimately, I mean, yes, he wants to find evidence, but he also knows that this is going to happen to someone else. So mm-hmm. a little bit of that is very true to that guilt trippy thing. Yeah, like hundred um, percent. So the so the episode ends with Scully listening to Mulder's hypnotic regression therapy tapes, and that made me really emotional as she did that because she takes the time to get to know him so much quicker than he does her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting, um, and. Uh, listening to him recall his sister's abductions. And then we get our first uh, uh, David Duchovny, just stellar crying scene. Oh, unparalleled. So moving. Very moving. Um, mm-hmm. Mulder's upset. He's looking at a picture of him and his sister. He's upset. Um, and uh, he's crying, attempting to cry. He's, he's really trying. He's really trying, but it's okay to be upset and not cry. Um, yeah, well, and then we get our first, I want to believe. I noticed that I was waiting for that. I was like, do they do it? Do they not do it? And they did it. I know I couldn't, it's always fun to notice like the first of those. Yeah. 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 I agree. That was the first I want to believe. That's how it ends. The end. We did it. it. That episode was pretty like cut and dry. I have to say it was. And I didn't remember it very well. Me either. I I don't even know if I, 
My first watch, when I first watched, for some reason, my Hulu was skipping episodes. So I missed, um, like, really randomly, um, some episodes that I then watched for the first time in my rewatch. And so this is only, like, my second time seeing some of these. Oh, wow. I saw that one not that long ago, but some of the first season ones really elude me. Like, I don't remember until halfway through. Um, Yeah, aside from the uh, the White Wolf, this episode was pretty black and white. Yep. Pretty Mm -hmm. classic X-Files. Pretty classic X-Files. Very Vancouver, the setting. The White Wolf really threw me for a loop. The White Wolf was a little fantastic there. Just a little bit. It was a little twilighty, (laughs) according to Stevie. Do you want to do Jillian's Corner? Let's do Jillian's Corner. Ready? Okay. Yeah. Ba-da, 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 Jillian's Corner. Jillian's <laughs> I turned that into a little bit of a tune. You did it so well. <laughs> I just spoke it. Next time, we'll, next time we'll sing it with you. It's different every time. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, Do you have a Jillian's Corner? Whatever comes out. Um, no, I want you to go first. <laughs> okay. So I was reading Emily Knows because I spammed her with a bunch of really depressing article excerpts <laughs> last night in the middle Can of the night. Can this be my Jillian's Corner because- too? Can we just discuss <clears throat> these? Because... Yeah. yeah. I was only going to do one specific okay. one, but if you have another no. one that you liked, I didn't send you this one. Okay. I want to hear it. Um, but I went on a Tumblr deep dive last night, as you mm-hmm. do. And I found a bunch of like inserts from like quotes that David and Jillian have said, have said in interviews over mm-hmm. the years. And this one was from the Times UK that was written in October of 2000. And Jillian Anderson's talking about um, what she remembers from like the first season of the X-Files mm-hmm. and like being new on set. Mm-hmm. And it says, intimacy and touch are not easy subjects for Jillian. When she first arrived on the set of the X-Files, age 24, she found the physical contact of the crew hard to take. I'd always been such a private person, such a loner, and such a non-physical person. And all of a sudden, hair, makeup, wardrobe were here at the same time. At the beginning, I couldn't take it. I think I had some tantrums. Somebody would come up from behind and brush my hair and literally be like, ugh. And I felt violated. It was that strong. It must, from the outside, have looked like I was just a spoiled bitch. And I probably was. But I thought that was so interesting because I've never thought about like having that kind of overwhelming sensory load. Because when you're on set, like makeup, hair, everyone just touches you. Yeah. Like it truly, everybody just comes and touches you from all angles without like warning. And so when you're not used to being in that kind of environment, I that would understandably wow. be like really shocking and hard to adjust to. And I thought that was interesting. That's fair. I love how self-aware she is. It makes me feel not crazy because sometimes I feel too self-aware. And I do dip into that as a coping mechanism where I'll like hyperanalyze everything. Yeah. Know that. But it makes me feel good that like some level of self-awareness is still like yeah. normal and good to have. And it's also interesting because it's like, um, we talked about this a while ago, but um, Florence Given again on Instagram. Oh, um, please follow her. Yeah. she She's truly an angel. Um she did it. She was, I can't remember what she was doing. Maybe she was doing this on her story. She was answering questions and someone had asked her a question about her school uniform. She went to an all girls school. Oh yeah. Um, high school. And she said that, um, the teachers used to come and put up three fingers and put them on girls knees. And if their skirts were above that, then they would get detention. Yeah. My school did that too. Yeah. So did mine. Um, and then I explained to you how my the dress code woman chased me down the hallway into my first yeah. class. Yeah, love that. Um, and so she said something as she was explaining that that really stuck out to me and I think relates well to this, what Jillian said. And she said, 
they used to just take their fingers and put them on our knees. Like without our consent, they would just touch us like without Mm -hmm. our consent. And I truly never, we talked about this, about how if something feels wrong, if you feel as though you're being violated, then you you are are being violated. Like whether, and that doesn't mean that the person is violating you intentionally. It doesn't mean that the wardrobe and makeup crew are coming up and, and purposely making you feel uncomfortable. They're just doing their job. But but you are allowed best. to feel, you are allowed to feel however you feel in response to that. Yeah. And I think that that, that, wow. I, I love that about, she analyzed it that much. I know. Like was, that is so well, fair. It, it's kind of sad at the end that she invalidates herself and just says that she was probably just being a spoiled brat, but. True. But also when I understand two, doing that. 2000, 2000 she was talking also about she might've been joking. That's true. But um, not, not like joking, joking. But to the point where she has healed from it and it's just kind of like, yeah. Well, well honestly, she might not have validated it as something that she needed to heal from, but just get past. That, well, that's, hard, yeah, that's what I mean. It's hard to validate something that's just part of the job as being when everybody like universally accepts that as something that you just need to deal with. If you're not comfortable with it, you feel like you have to. God, that would be so sad if that well, still really made her uneasy and like, but that's like. She I'm sure she's used to it by now, but yeah. And it's like, but like, even if, even if it's some, even if it's part of your job, like that could make you uncomfortable for your life. It's true. I remember I worked with one makeup artist on set for a shoot that I did. And I can't remember the makeup artist's name right now off the top of my head. It's been a while, but I'm going to look him up and I'm going to post his name because he's incredible. And he was truly, this is the one I talked to you about when I did my first topless shoot. Oh, right? yes. Yeah, and yeah. this makeup artist just took it upon himself to get make sure, one, that I had everything that I needed, that I had a private space to change in. And he went and talked to the directors himself because it was my first time doing that on set. And he, I told him that I was nervous. And so he went to the director himself and was like, got everything that I was supposed to do, got the rundown for me so he could explain to me everything that was going to happen. And just like totally walked me through it and like asked me before doing anything makeup wise and was just so kind and accommodating. I've never felt more comfortable on a set. So it's like, truly, it's just, it could be just the crew she was working with or just like that kind of consideration and just making sure that somebody's comfortable just makes a working space so much better and so much more productive. And I think everybody can do that more in all of their working environments in every position. But I thought that was interesting because it's definitely make or break. Yeah. Because then I've worked with makeup artists that like complain about something with my skin or that complain about my hair. And then you feel immediately like an inconvenience and like you shouldn't be taking up space. And that makes the working experience suck. Anyway, yeah. that's kind of a tangent, but what I realized in reading a lot of these interviews that you sent me and just general interviews, but especially these is like, Jillian is just so, this is going to sound so stupid, but like, she is so like, she's just human. She's mm-hmm. just a gal, you know, like yeah. she's just a woman. And I think she was doing a zoom, not raffle. You, you could buy, she's doing a Comic-Con. The virtual Comic Con right now. It was yeah, it was announced yesterday, and she was selling or the Com Con was selling one on ones with her over Zoom. In the moment, it felt very like high pressure, make or break, because it's like, when is this opportunity ever going to come again? And like, what is the perfect thing to say in two minutes? Exactly. When it's like, but it's like she's just a person. 
she's just a person if you want to pop on and be like hey i think you're fucking rad and you really inspired me and i think you're awesome and i it's really cool to meet you and say that that's fucking so cool and that's perfect like you don't the more pressure i think you put on in situations where you're meeting celebrities like doing meet and greets and stuff like you need to remember that they're people and that if you put pressure on it you're always going to be disappointed no matter what and so to see to read these articles and just kind of be reminded that it's like no like she has had panic attacks. She's gone through all of this. Like she's normal. It's like, it takes the pressure off it's completely. It's so comforting and you feel very validated. And it's like, not that I, I wish that she never had to go through any of that. It's just reaffirming that she's just a person. So totally. Emily and I are doing our meet and greet together because I'm ironically going to be in New York. I can bleep out when I say New York, if you don't want me to say where you live. New York is fine. Oh, well, I'm going to be in New York with Emily, ironically, when this happens. So we're going to be together for two live streams and mm-hmm. we're going to talk to her on the phone. We're not really well about it right now, but well, I'm, I'll of, tell you all about it once it happens. Yeah. I'm kind of trying to like not think about it. Yeah. Which is how I deal with anxiety. So it's fun. Just know that I'm going to be there and that no matter what, it's fucking cool. And then we can just dance it out after. I know Stevie's like, I'm not going to gush again, but like Stevie's like the best friend ever because I truly wouldn't have done this if I had to do it alone because, um, I, it's just, I don't, I don't know. I just, my anxiety just said, nope. No, that's so valid though. It's okay. But now that, um, Stevie's doing it with me and we're going to do it together. I'm so excited. The pressure's taken completely off. And I'm so excited. You're just the best. That's it. Oh, I love you. No, I love you. Well, in the moment when it was released, like two seconds after Emily sent it to me, I sent it back. I was like, yeah, I bought it. <laughs> yeah, literally. It was, it, I was actually concerned that you were not well with how calm you were. You just did it. I was like, I did. no could. questions asked. I was like, oh yeah, let me get my card. No, first I asked if you wanted to do it and you said that you you said that you weren't going to. Which I and completely so, blacked out. I don't remember you asking me that or yeah. saying no. I asked you, I was like, do you want to do it together? Or are you going to buy one? You're like, I don't think I'm going to do it. And I was like, okay, so then I just got my card and I bought it. But here's the thing. I accidentally bought two sessions. So four minutes instead of two. Mm. I text Emily that. And I was like, oh, I accidentally got two. Oops. But Oops. then- Emily, like when she, when she was struggling to decide we, it sold out. And then, so I was like, well, then it's perfect because I have two sessions. It was meant to be. It was meant to be. Anyway. Yeah. I loved all of those interviews, little snippets from those interviews that you sent me. Well, and maybe, I think maybe that can be like a thing because we have a couple of them. So yeah. So we can like read little excerpts from interviews. Yeah. Um, until we run out of those, we can talk about those in Jillian's Corner briefly or for a long time because she's very wise. There are a lot of good quotes from her. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, so maybe we'll do that. That would be fun. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. We just have and, to remember uh, that like, that we can bring things to Jillian's Corner that we have told each other because Slim totally. Pickens there. Yeah, yeah. If we're trying to find something that the other one doesn't know. <laughs> very Slim Pickens, Yeah. That would be fun to try to find something that everyone doesn't know. I would lose. No, you would not. So badly. I don't know anything you don't know. That's a lie. No, it's not. You're way better at that than I am. That's okay. No, I just have um I just have a memory sometimes that works really well. Mm-hmm. And so I just am able to remember the things that I've seen. 
and heard and read, but I don't, you know, I don't seek out information often. I'm with you. But you do that. You're really good at deep diving. Really good at or pathetically? No, really, really good at. <laughs> really good at. I just get on a roll on like Pinterest or Google and I just stay no. up. Stevie found a, a picture of Jillian from when Piper was really little of Piper like holding out her arms to the side, like oh, yeah. wanting a hug possibly. And Jillian's like imitating her and it's, oh my God, I was unwell for like a week after you found that picture. We'll post it. We'll post it and um, just know that Stevie found that picture and I have never seen that picture in my life. So you are really good at deep diving. Thank you so much. You're welcome. <laughs> well, and thank you it. for listening. And <laughs> next week we'll do episode five, which is Jersey Devil. Jersey Devil, you know, classic. Oh my God. I love. Okay. You're going to have to do the plot for this one because, um, because Scully, this is, this is the wife I want. Okay. This is the red suit episode, isn't it? It's the red suit episode. It's the suede vest episode um and it's the uh episode where she does her parkour oh yeah oh beautiful it's also the episode where she um um comforts that little boy when he hits his head on the wall oh oh and when she goes out on a date episode oh my god well jersey devil's damn jam-packed okay i'm ready i'm so excited next week for that for what? For suede vests, for me crying over Scully. Scully rolling. And and, and some um, fetishization of indigenous culture. Oh, right. Tune How in. could we forget that? <laughs> right. Oh, duh. <laughs> the biggest theme of all. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you for listening. And uh, we'll see you guys or talk to you. Yeah, we'll talk to you next time time on The Sex (laughs) Files. (laughs) Bye.